Welcome to the Revitalize Hope Podcast. I'm your host, Alan Cass Stevens. As many of you know, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. I didn't want the month of May to go by without releasing an interview and conversation that I recently had with a therapist, Susanna Cecil. Susanna Cecil is a licensed therapist and clinical director at Affinity Counseling and Wellness. Let's have a listen, shall we? And today we have Susanna Cecil with us, who has more letters behind her name than the alphabet does. But I'm glad she's joined us today. I'm going to let her explain who she is and what she does. So, Susanna, if you would. Yes, Alan, thank you so much for inviting me to be a part of this. It's really exciting. I will confess I've never done anything like this before, and you know that, so... Thank you for your trust. (laughs) Um, I am a licensed clinical mental health counselor. I also am a supervisor of LCMHCs. And I am the owner and clinical director of Affinity Counseling and Wellness. Well, thank you for joining us. I appreciate it. One of the things we wanted to talk about today was the stigma around counseling. When somebody should seek counseling and what to expect when they go to counseling. So let's kind of start with the stigma overall. Would you feel that over the past 20 years specifically that the stigma has kind of been reduced a little bit and people are more open to seek help now than they have been in the past? Yes, absolutely. Um, Just for some context, I came into this field Right out of undergrad, I got my master's degree in counseling from UNCG, UNC Greensboro, and and graduated in 1992. And so, yes, I have observed over the past, I would say, 30 years, a huge shift in the accessibility of mental health counseling services but also in people being less concerned about any kind of stigma. Well, that's uh, definitely good to hear. How should a person or when should a person seek counseling? How do they know this is just not the normal ups and downs of everyday life? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I'll tell you, I've heard lots of people say, just anecdotally, people say, yeah, I just couldn't, just couldn't quite snap out of it. And I knew I needed some support. Certainly, as you and I have talked about before, if somebody feels like they um, are having some suicidal thoughts, absolutely seek some sort of help. Relative to that, uh, the new sort of safety net in the communities, which is a phenomenal development, is the 988 number, phone number. Rather than calling 911, you'll get law enforcement if you call 911 or fire, you know, fire first responders. But the mental health crisis emergency number is 988, just so your listeners are aware of that. Um, And that launched in the past month, I believe. So, so yeah, so if there are 
Is there a, if there's some sort of threat to self or certainly to others, then absolutely seek emergency services. But just in terms of when to seek out support, I mean, if, if, if you're experiencing just burdens that just don't seem to lift, for sure. And I, like I told you earlier, I can give my personal experience. And that was a, at a time in my life where I really was struggling with what I did not want to believe was depression. <laughs> Turns out it was. And felt like I just couldn't shake it. I just couldn't, I, I couldn't run enough. I couldn't exercise enough. I couldn't, you know, think my way out of it enough and was able to seek some very kind um, and caring support um, through with, with Georgia Youssef at Associates and Christian Counseling across town. So, yeah, I hope that answered your question. It did. And you actually uh, told me something I did not know. I did not know that there was an said 988 and that's great i I was not aware of that so listeners out there if you are feeling that you need to talk to somebody don't know exactly who to contact right away that may be a good avenue for you to kind of pursue uh in the meantime till you can find a more permanent uh solution so great great to note that we've talked about you know therapy is getting more accepted by society talked about hey when you should seek help. What should somebody expect when, for example, they come into your office for the first time and this is the first time they're meeting you, first experience? What what does that feel like or, or look like? So my particular setting is private practice, right? And we see people in person. We also do some telehealth, but that's limited, relatively limited. If somebody is coming into a private practice setting, then for our practice, then you can expect an intake, so to speak. And that's just uh, an interview that is designed to capture all areas of a person's functioning so that the clinician, the therapist can kind of know where baseline is for treatment. And then the therapist, um, and I have several skilled therapists in my practice, they can then work with you, work with their client to develop goals. And to, uh, you know, the essential question is, well, what brings you here now? You know, and so one could be, um, you don't have to be prepared to to come into an intake, to come into a a first session, because a skilled therapist will help you to guide the work. And it should be, could be, a collaborative effort. Okay. Good to know. So I know we talked previously I know your practice takes insurance, for example. I'm not sure that everybody knows therapy could be covered under insurance. Do you mind just kind of speaking to that a little bit? I know it didn't cover the entire cost, but just speak to that just a little bit so people know that it's not the financial burden that they think it is in some cases. Yes, yeah, sure. 
Yeah, most insurance plans um, will have some sort of mental health coverage, but but not all of them. Um, so if somebody comes into our practice and wants to use their Blue Cross, their Cigna, the United Healthcare, CBHA, whatever whatever they have, our admin staff will do their best to verify that insurance. Okay. Um, now. Every plan is different, so it may be that it's March and you need to meet a deductible. So maybe you pay a certain percentage until your deductible is met. And I would advise, and our admin folks advise people to, for them to do their homework as well. Every every insurance card has a 1-800 number or, you know, for... Um, assistance call, you know, do do your homework and call and find out what your benefits provide for you. Sometimes it's there's a zero copay. And you, it just depends on the program just depends on the, the plan. And I also uh, will note that I know flexible spending plans, that's you, you can run that through your flexible spending plan, or Help start healthcare savings uh, plans. HSA, right. So I know all that you could run through just like it's a normal doctor's visit. And so that that's also a great benefit. I want to make sure again that people that need the help don't, it's not quite the financial burden uh, that maybe it used to be. And, and it's more uh, available now than it ever has been through insurance and all those payment plans. So just keep that in mind. I know that this is probably going to be an unusual question uh, and it's going to depend on the person, but people might be thinking, okay, so I have issue X and I, I want to resolve that. Have you seen any patterns in what the typical time frame is for somebody to spend with you before they kind of, quote unquote, graduate from therapy? Is there, you know, hey, I know, um, you know, personally, I see a therapist and I see her on a regular basis, but that has went from, you know, used to be weekly to biweekly, not to monthly. So just. Can you just kind of talk about any patterns that you see there with with the service? Sure, absolutely. And and you're right. Um, it really depends on the person. It depends on what the issue is. It depends on the, the modality of therapy, the modality, the treatment model that the therapist uses. If there is some sort of say medication that that the person is taking, then there might need to be some collaboration between different types of providers. Like I might need to discuss with a medical provider um, because maybe I'm working with someone who has a significant depressive issue and the CBT, the cognitive behavioral therapy that we're using isn't, isn't quite, you know, robust enough. And so I might need to bring in an ancillary provider like a, you know, a psychiatrist or just a, a PCP or um, primary care physician. So, um, but that's sort of a sidebar to your question. Generally speaking, some really, really 
effective work can be done in a relatively short period of time, depending on the issue, right? So eight to 10 sessions could significantly improve somebody's quality of life, right? The way that I operate is, you know, we might in that intake session that we were talking about a minute ago, we might identify, say, three broad goals. And ideally, throughout the sessions that we're working together, we will circle back or I will circle back usually and kind of touch on those goals and sort of assess how progress, how we're progressing. And then we'll reevaluate. So for my practice, I reevaluate, excuse me, reevaluate treatment plans at least every six months. And it may be that a person, I'm, maybe I'm closing the chart at six months, you know, but at least reevaluating and collaborating with my client to see how we're doing on this. Uh, how are we doing on this? You know, the thing about the anxiety, do you feel like that's getting better? Do you feel like your quality of life is improving? You know, and we just work together to assess those things and adjust accordingly. Okay, thank you. So speaking of trends, another question I've been asked recently is, do you see a trend in any particular type of mental health issues? In other words, do you see anxiety more than you see depression? Do you see depression, you know, more than you see PTSD? Is there a pattern to what you're seeing in society today? Yeah, that's a real, that's a really good question. <laughs> um, having been in the field for the length of time and having, and I will, I don't, I will, um, I will qualify that. Um, I was a stay-at-home mom for several years. Uh, um, raising, we have three children, so I was raising my three children, um, and then came back into the field. So I haven't been boots on the ground since 1992, but having had access and understanding of the field and the trends in the field, it's interesting to look, to kind of look back and survey a bit. I suppose... Um, depression, anxiety, some personality disorder kinds of things. People tend to, with the advent of social media, people are now diagnosing themselves, which is really kind of a tricky thing to to get into. And I do not recommend that. <laughs> Only a qualified mental health professional. I think certainly my observation in recent years has been a, an incredible increase in anxiety. And I think that is directly related to the COVID pandemic impact. Also depression, certainly among adolescents, I see a lot of adolescents, and I do groups with those that age group. And, oh, just the COVID impact, I think we're going to be experiencing for some time to come. Yeah, that's, that's kind of consistent from what I've seen. So is there a message that you would give somebody right now when they feel like it's hopeless? Everything's hopeless. I've lost all hope. Absolutely. So I, I think 
Um, Right now, my eyes are falling on the serenity prayer that is above the mantle in my office. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. There's there's an addition to the serenity prayer, and part of it is living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time. I, as a professional, as a clinician, as a therapist, believe there's absolutely hope, or I wouldn't have given that 988 emergency number, right? There's always hope, even when we may feel very, very hopeless. And like I shared earlier, I have been in that place. I know that place. And I know the other side of that place. So I'm not just talking a talk. So there are all kinds of settings. I happen to um, operate out of a private practice setting, but there are hospital settings. There are online options that people could seek out. There are all kinds of um, subscription plans even that uh, that you can seek out and you, and you do therapy on on demand, so to speak. You know, there's all kinds of access to help that has emerged uh, uh, across the past 10, 15 years, but especially the past five years. There's access to help. There's hope available because there are so many treatment models um, compared when I was in my training, the treatment modalities were, were not few, but they were simply just emerging. Now, the thankfully, so many studies, so much research has been done, and those treatment modalities are now like the gold standard, like I mentioned DBT. So yes, there are all kinds of treatments for all kinds of conditions and struggles, and many of them are very, very good. Okay. Personally, I have a very strong, very strong faith in in the Lord, and that is my hope. Good. Thank you. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. And again, appreciate the information on the, the 988. I just uh, definitely learned something today. Like I said, would like to make sure that all our listeners have heard that multiple times <laughs> in case they're looking for hope, uh, you know, today and they need somebody to talk to right away. That That's one. Uh, I want to rewind for a second because we talked about therapy. something kind of came to mind as you were kind of going through that Uh, people have this tendency not to want to be judged. Right. And, and some folks are maybe hesitant to go seek therapy because they're, well, I don't want them judging me. I don't want them, you know, looking down upon me, thinking they're better than me, et cetera. So, I think that's probably getting a little rarer and rarer as more people seek therapy, but I think there's still some people out there. Can you address that for me and just kind of what if they run into that situation and 
I know obviously through therapists that I've dealt with that has not been the case, but you know, just kind of explain the expectation around judgment and if they run into that, what should they do? The very basic ethic um, in the medical field, but also in the mental health field is above all, do no harm. Okay. And judging a person who comes in front of you, who is vulnerable and seeking your help would be harming them. So yeah, above all, do no harm and the client-centered or person-centered father of counseling, Carl Rogers, would say, we are to present, we clinicians, we therapists, counselors, are to first and foremost present ourselves to clients, holding them with unconditional positive regard. Okay? Which leaves no room for judgment, right? And if we have some judgments, then it's our job as therapists to check ourselves to notice that in our own minds and set it aside and then return our attention to the person in front of us. Yeah, I um, when I was... In my counseling um, experience at one point in time, I just was like, oh, my gosh. I, you know, and I said to, to Georgia, oh, something along the lines of, and I didn't use the word judging, but, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want you to think, you know, that I'm, you know, I can't handle things or, you know, I don't want you to think poorly of me or whatever. And she said something to me that was so profound She looked at me with the sweetest look on her face and she said, oh, Susanna, I'm just one beggar offering another beggar a piece of bread. Yeah. (laughs) Wow, that that was profound. Um, I, I don't know that I can go any further with that one. Is there anything else that you would like to share in general? Yeah, I mean, the only other thing that I can think of is that, I mean, sometimes it's like you you have to try on a few before you find the one that fits. And so I mentioned earlier different treatment modalities and and et cetera, and that's really more information than people really want to know about. But the main the main point is not every therapist is going to be for every person. Right. So just because you find one and you have an experience that maybe you felt like uh, that wasn't what I was expecting, don't give up. You know, they're all different shapes and sizes of us out here. And listen to your intuition. Listen to the you know, your your inner spirit speaking to you as to whether this is the right fit for you. If it's not, so keep looking. Most all therapists know that their style is not for everybody, and that's fine. And that 
I'm not supposed to be the right therapist for anybody, you know, just everybody who walks through the door. That's and I know that. And I usually after intake, I'll ask people, hey, how does this does, does this feel like a good fit? If it does, super, let's reschedule. If it doesn't, hey, let me, I've got some other people I could refer you to. So, yeah. I guess just like any other relationship then, you know, you got to find what works and, and what doesn't. So. That's right. All right. Well, Susanna, thank you for joining us today. Uh, it was a pleasure. My pleasure. So, all right. And uh, folks, we will uh, see you next time.